0: That was the most fun Wizards game in, like, a while. That game was legitimately, I mean, completely meaningless and legitimately super fun. Uh, Recording this one in Phoenix after the Wizards just beat the Suns 124-121. Game-winning M1 from Thomas Bryant with 2.8 seconds left. One possession after Thomas Bryant hit a 3 to give the Wizards a 3-point lead. Then Jamal Crawford hit a 3 to tie it up at 121, or going to talk about the total ridiculousness. Devin Booker had 50, Bradley Beal had 28-21 in the second half. I'm Fred I cover the Wizards for the Athletic, and I'm the host of Wizards After Dark, and I'm here with Gina Mizell, who covers the Suns for the Athletic.
1: I was just saying, can the Suns and the Wizards play every night? Because this is now two wild games between these two teams. Like, just randomly fun basketball between two teams that are not very good. The Wizards are better than the Suns, obviously, but still, let's, let's not pretend these are two contenders right here. But yeah, I mean, just with the numbers that these guys have have put up, just down to the wire, didn't quite go triple overtime this this juncture, but still um, a super fun game to watch, super entertaining. And when you cover two teams that are, aren't are going to the playoffs, that's kind of all you want as the season comes down to the wire.
0: I know. Uh, this This was... The Suns and Wizards have played twice this year, Mm -hmm. and this was the worst Suns-Wizards game of the year.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, nothing can top a triple overtime. What did Brad Beal have in that game? Did he have 50 or 45? He had a
0: 45 triple-double.
1: That's right. That's right. No, I remember his game was just absurd, but I couldn't remember the exact numbers. Thomas
0: Bryant also hit essentially two game-winning shots in this game. Yeah. Had 18 points and 19 boards. Yeah. And it was also his worst game against the Suns of the year
1: right because he didn't go 14 for 14 yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just <laughs> yeah. absurd and, and yeah again Devin Booker on the other side 50 points he had 59 against the Jazz on Wednesday night or excuse me Monday night it's Wednesday today I'm losing track okay. yeah it was, what time it's is a it? day <laughs> right? it's a day in the week uh, it's nighttime so, now. so it's the classic you know in a losing effort for, for Devin Booker which I mean I think the last couple games for him have been very um, reminiscent of just his entire son's career where the team does not win but he puts up big numbers but uh yeah again you can tell that he was dialed in obviously these wizards are still fighting for their playoff lives their tragic number is now one still right mm-hmm. uh so yeah just just fun all around and and uh yeah the the worst Suns wizards game of the year but the bar was set very high back in december
0: it was a really fun game yeah there was a lot of really stupid stuff that happened <laughs> jabari parker had twenty eight and 15 yeah uh It was amazing that both teams shot worse than 50% from the field and worse Mm -hmm. than 40% from three because the defense on both sides was just horrendous. It it was the perfect way to end because, so on the game-winning basket from Thomas Bryant, Scott Brooks wanted them to, so it it was just a simple Mm -hmm. high pick and roll, Bradley Beal getting a a ball screen from Thomas Bryant like 32 feet from the rim. Mm Mm-hmm. The Wizards love running those ATOs with Beal ball screens late in games because they know every team is going to trap Beal, and they just prey off of Beal passing and finding open guys, and you, other teams want to make a, you know, guys other than Beal shoot, mm-hmm. and the Wizards want other guys to just take open shots, and so they just prey on that every time. It's what they did against the Knicks when uh, Thomas Bryan had the game winner. It's what they did in a late game uh, late game against Miami when Beal found Thomas Bryan on Saturday, and he... Actually missed that exact same shot on the exact like almost the exact same play that Brian hit that three with thirty seconds left. They did it when Beale found Sato. The following game, uh, it just happens over and over again, and that's how they like to run those late game atos, especially in tie games and when they're down one possession. And tonight they messed it up. They Thomas Bryant came and he he set the screen too early. Mm-hmm. He didn't set it properly. He didn't come up high enough, and so he then he had to come and switch sides. They ran it too early, which is why there was 2.8 seconds left. They wanted to have the last shot because it was a tie game. Beal finds him anyway mm-hmm. because the Suns trap anyway. Mm-hmm. They send two guys to the ball. Beal lobs it to him. Prime finishes and then won anyway with 2.8 seconds left. Then on the final <laughs> possession, <laughs> Troy yeah. Daniels. Yeah, Troy Daniels comes off a screen. Mm-hmm. The Wizards do the classic Wizards thing. Mm-hmm. No team in the league just sends two dudes in the wrong direction. <laughs> off of an off-ball screen right. like the Wizards do.
1: right?
0: And Troy Daniels just just flares straight to the corner yep. and he is wide open mm-hmm. and he just so happens to miss a shot. And it's like the Wizards didn't do anything right on that. Well, they mm-hmm. didn't do much right on that last play where Bryant got the game-winning bucket and it just kind of worked anyway. And they didn't do anything right on that final defensive possession and it just kind of <laughs> worked anyway. And you know what? That is a a perfectly symbolically stupid way to end this fantastically fun and stupid game.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And even uh, Troy Daniels, we talked to him in the locker room after the game, and he said, yeah, they screwed up. <laughs> like that's He's like, I couldn't believe I was so open. He's like, I actually probably had time to take a dribble to set my feet better. And he did admit that he sort of rushed it a little bit, but he would already hit five threes in that game. And uh, Jamal Crawford, um, said, who, who passed him the ball, said, I would take that shot. Every day of the week and twice on Sundays, he called him butt naked as far as being open, <laughs> which is my favorite quote of the year, from the always quotable Jamal Crawford, who again had the the game tying shot uh, with, with you know a minute to go or whatever that was, the, the endless wonder, Jamal Crawford, who hasn't even played in the last two games and is still getting buckets somehow. So no, it's, it is very symbolic that nothing you know would go right on those or that everything would go wrong on those two possessions and the Wizards would win and also that's very symbolic of the sun season where they had every chance to, to either get a defensive stop, tie the game, uh, to go to overtime and just uh, Igor Kokoschkov, the, the coach, has talked um, you know all year about how they have such a low margin for error and even when errors come their way it feels like a lot of times they still can't Pull out wins, so uh, yeah. It's it, again stupid game, absurd game, but wildly entertaining game. Actually, like the crowd got into it at the end because Booker was going for fifty yeah, and they got really fifty. Loud. So for again a Wednesday night in late March with neither team, you know, drawing much of a, you know, no reason to draw much of a crowd.
0: Um, just
1: again, that's all you. That's all you can want from a game at this time in the season featuring these two teams. So I'm I'm a happy camper.
0: So. I'm going to throw out a, a wildly hot take.
1: Okay.
0: It's a really hot Am I going
1: to, like, fly from my seat because it's so hot right now?
0: No, you're just not going to have any hair. It's just okay. going to burn <laughs> got off got all it. the hair from the top of your well, head. That would be a great
1: look for the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're
0: just you're – just no hair on the top of your head. Got it's it. just going to be totally gone. Um, so here's my hot take. Mm-hmm. Hot and uh, – temperature hot and spicy hot. That's how hot okay. it is. Got it. It's like a jalapeno roast.
1: Okay. Just
0: out of the oven. Fair. Yeah. Um Okay, so Devin Booker, mm-hmm. if I had to bet, I'm prefacing this by saying I'm actually now muting the hot take. Okay. If, I, if I had to bet, I would bet that Devin Booker is really good mm-hmm. and not a good stat, bad team guy. Mm-hmm. Because that's the debate on Devin Booker, right? Right, right. But with the player that Devin Booker is today, and look, he had 50 on 29 shots. Mm-hmm. It's not like the dude shot. He was 19 for 29. Mm-hmm. He had 50, and he only made three Threes. Yeah. like he was just
1: nine of ten from the line, absurd finish. He had at least three or four in ones, like just scoring all over the place, mid range, yes. inside, driving to the ball, bo- driving to the bucket, and then yeah, hit a couple of threes. One of them was his first shot of the game. So after the first you know thirty seconds, he didn't hit. It. He only hit two more the rest of the game. So yeah, I think you're right.
0: So if he was and he was he was legitimately great tonight. Mm-hmm. And if I had to bet, like I said, I think he would be. I would I would bet on him being a good player over a good stats bad team guy and be pretty confident in that bet. That being said, here's the hot. I think the the third to last offensive possession for the Suns,
1: mm-hmm.
0: with the one that preceded when Beal passed out to Thomas Bryant for the yeah. three, Yeah. The third to last one for the Suns when Devin Booker held the ball mm-hmm. at the top of the key and held mm-hmm. it and held it with mm-hmm. Beal guarding him. Mm-hmm. Stepped into him. Everyone in the world, including Bradley Beal, knew that Devin Booker was going to shoot a step back three there. Mm-hmm. And Bradley Beal contested it perfectly, and Booker mm-hmm. shot it, and he missed it. Mm-hmm. And I think that possession, contrasted with literally the next possession, when mm-hmm. Bradley Beal gets double teamed and kicks to Thomas Bryan for a wide open three, right. showed perfectly how different spots in their career Devin Booker and Bradley Beal are in. Yeah. Uh, Bradley Beal tends to make the right basketball play way more often than not. And in those late game scenarios like I talked about five minutes ago, like he makes those correct basketball plays and it's such a beyond a basketball philosophy to him. Like it is it is like a way to live to him. To the point that I asked him about the the culture behind, like, talking heads and talking mm-hmm. talking about who should get the last shot on teams, and he refused to, basically refused to admit that it existed, and gave me crap for asking about interesting.
1: it. Interesting,
0: interesting. I was like, it's a thing people talk about, Brad. Sure. Like, talk, tell... Who do you
1: want the ball, like, who, who whose ball... Why can't I talk?
0: <laughs> who do you
1: want to have the ball in their hands exactly. at the end of a game? It is such a... It's a sports cliche, for sure.
0: A hundred percent. And Devin Booker seems like a smart dude. Mm-hmm. And I think he'll get there. But, like, every single person knew he Mm -hmm. was putting up that shot. Every single person knew that he wanted 50. He didn't run back on defense so that he could get his 50 when he was at 48. He was going to cherry pick no matter what on that possession. Like, that you knew Devin Booker was putting up that shot and that there was absolutely no way that he was going to make a play for somebody else. I think shows the difference between where Beal is and where a guy like Booker is.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. And I'll I'll have a couple of responses to that. First of all, I think it's a very fair um, argument. Number one, it's a great point to make, too, because Brad Beal and Devin Booker have often been compared to each other, especially this year, when both of them have been asked to carry such a heavy offensive load, all of this and that. How old is Bradley Beal?
0: 25.
1: Okay, 25. So Devin Booker just turned 22, so the stat now is that he's the youngest player in NBA history to have back-to-back 50-point games. So, first of all, he's three years younger, so I think you're right in saying that It'll be very fascinating to see what Devin Booker looks like when he's 25, and just the evolution of his career. And he's been asked his usage rate is off the charts this year. Um, he's been asked to play make more for this team that did not have a point guard until Tyler Johnson arrived, who and still was, who still isn't a point guard, and now he's out. So he's he still was good. pretty
0: good in that point guard
1: role. Yeah. So again, the other people handling the ball right now for this team are. Anthony Melton and Kobo, two rookies who have spent time in the G League and have had very up-and-down you know, rookie seasons, understandably. And Jamal Crawford, like that's who they've got handling the ball now it's with Tyler Johnson out. And also to kind of expand off of that, um, this is a team that right now is missing Tyler Johnson, Kelly Oubre, which we haven't even gotten to that yet. No revenge game for Kelly Oubre or Trevor Ariza, but Kelly Oubre is out. TJ Warren is out. He's been out for half a season now. And so... I mean, there was a there was a point in this game where the, the lineup out on the floor for the Suns was Jamal Crawford, uh, Elia Kogo, uh, Rashawn Holmes, Ray Spaulding, and I'm forgetting who else. But it was like, okay, these are guys that are in the rotation right now. So I think there is a, I don't want to say pressure, but a... Responsibility that Devin Booker feels right now—that I need to have the ball in my hands and I need to be the one that makes the shot—and yeah, I mean he obviously had a ton of great plays tonight, but sometimes he, you know, forces things and he clapped his hands in frustration after that miss, and you know, rightfully so, that potentially could have been, you know, a, a shot that that won the game for the Suns. And again, it'll be really interesting to see how he continues to progress. But it blows my mind that he's still only 22 years old. It's his fourth year in the league, but. Um, you know he has, He's not even close to his prime yet, and that's going to be, I think, part of it. But he needs some better teammates around him as well, I think, in order to you know, make the right basketball play. Although you can make the argument for Brad Beal, too, that yeah. he hasn't had much around him either, so it's well, fair. That's, that's,
0: that's kind of why I bring it up, because they're yeah. in such... So I had Kyle Goon on the podcast yesterday. Oh, that and guy. That guy. That guy. And he made this analogy on the podcast just off the top of his head mm-hmm. when we were talking about Bradley Beal and all-NBA stuff. Yeah. And we all lost our minds. We basically did the bench celebration that the Wizards did when Jeff Green dunked on John <laughs> Right. When when Kyle just off the top of his head said, Clay Thompson is like a tree in a lush rainforest mm. and Bradley Beale is like a cactus stretching his arms out into the sunshine with nothing else around him. Yes. And it's we were like, Oh my for the god, in the Kyle. desert
1: right now too. Yeah. What a
0: writer that guy is. Uh-huh. <laughs> Some
1: pros. That is a turn of a phrase, right there, Kyle Goon.
0: I know. Who are you, Kevin Arnefitz? Right. And so, <laughs> and so, like these guys are in similar situations. Mm-hmm. Now Booker has the worst point guard situation in the NBA, yeah. and he has fall season.
1: Right.
0: Satoransky is a, you know, you can argue whether he's, you know, where he would be amongst starting point guards, mm-hmm. or if he's just a good third guard, or whatever. He's uh,
1: competent, but he's, he's a competent he's a, guard. He's a
0: solid basketball player yeah. who is a free agent this summer and is going to make good money on the open market. Like, yeah, he is a he's a good basketball player, mm-hmm. uh, and the Suns don't have that right. as a facilitator. But right. that being said, like you know, Bradley Beal doesn't have a whole no. ton around him either. Uh, I mean, I just think it's indicative of where they are in their careers. Yeah, like Booker's twenty two, mm-hmm. and he has never even. Beal has been on winning teams. Mm-hmm. He's, he's seen playoffs, what it takes yeah. to win. He's been in the league for seven years. He's played playoff basketball. He's played in big games. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker's never come close to doing that I at the pro level. And so, it, and, he's, and he's never had, he hasn't had that other guy there with him right. to help him along either. And so, it's just, in, it's interesting to see where those... Yeah. To, I, I think today Beal is better, but, but Booker is, oh, yeah. no. is really, really talented. Again,
1: there's a reason why one's an all-star and one hasn't been yet. And But also, I mean, again, your listeners, I don't imagine, have watched a ton of Suns basketball, but they had a stretch about two weeks ago where all their guys were healthy, and they won five out of seven games. They beat the Warriors at Oracle. They beat the Bucks here at home. Um, only NBA team, only team in the NBA to sweep the Bucks this season. Fun fact is the Phoenix Suns. Um, and it's ama- it was amazing how much better this team looked, even with just Tyler Johnson as their point guard. Just again. He's not even a true point guard. He's a combo guard. But even, I I use the word confident again, but even someone solid who could get the ball in the right place and get Booker shots and catch-and-shoot situations and could just run the team and run the fast break, it was like, wow, this looks like offense. (laughs) So, I mean, even something that's not even what I think is the ultimate answer for this team at point guard, that elevated not just Booker's play but everyone's play. So that just shows you, again, how much Booker is being asked to do but also just kind of the state of this roster right now and and kind of the glaring hole that it currently has, especially now with, with guys hurt.
0: Five minutes of Kelly Oubre? Yes. Okay.
1: I'm here for it.
0: Kelly Oubre by total coincidence ended up because Kelly Oubre is now out for the year after having a thumb injury. And by total coincidence, Kelly Oubre ended up doing his post-surgery press conference before today's game, which Mm -hmm. would have been his revenge game against the Wizards, his second revenge game against the Wizards. So we got a chance to talk to Kelly. Um, we don't need to sum up a press conference here. Go read yeah. about it wherever you read about it or go watch it wherever. Uh, how much do you think Kelly's going to make this summer?
1: You know it's interesting because um, I'll, I'll plug my own work right now uh, shamelessly. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. No. I, I'm working on a story, but possibly by the time people listen to this, but for sure by tomorrow morning, and uh, um, people
0: can find it
1: um, the Athletic.com slash suns or however that works. If you if you're listening to this podcast, you subscribe to the athletic. So go to the Phoenix Suns page instead and of if the Washington you don't, Wizards You can page.
0: subscribe for five dollars a month.
1: Absolutely, it's a great deal. It's more th- or less than your you know cup of coffee every day. But um, I, I've been working on a story for a little bit about. Um, just basically how I was telling you earlier that he has been the culture setter here in Phoenix, which might surprise some some Wizards fans, but he came over here in that trade, and obviously people already know just kind of the infectious energy he has, the competitive fire that he plays with, the the flash and his fashion and all of that stuff, and this Suns team has really taken to that, and he's one of the few guys in this locker room who's been to the playoffs, and he's kind of in that unique young veteran phase where he's still young enough to relate to all the rookies and the super young guys on this team but also he's looked at um, you know as a guy who has playoff experience and he's kind of one of the wiser ones in the locker room and so he has started this whole trend it's called the Valley Boys and that's kind of their Mantra, and again, when they were going on their stretch after the All Star break, when they were playing pretty well, like that was sort of that was the hashtag, that was what everyone was saying, and, and he came up with that. That was his, he, he's the one who hatched that idea. So, uh, the, the fact that he's not out there right now, um, has been definitely a blow to, to this team just because of everything that he brings. He was pretty fired up on the bench tonight. This was his first game back since the surgery, but um, to answer your original question about how much is he going to make. Um, I asked our cap guy, Danny LaRue, uh, and he said somewhere probably between 10 to 12 million dollars, but I've I've seen in some other places or heard in some other places, maybe it's more in the 12 to 15 range, but of course all it takes is one team to say, hey, we're going to throw you, you know, 16 million dollars, 20 million dollars. I don't know. And then that's going to put the Suns in an interesting position to try to match. So I know Phoenix really likes him. I know he wants to stay here or he would love to stay here if that's the best option for him. He, I mean, you saw him talking today about the ultimate, you know, talking about the future and this and that, and and he talks very openly about that. So, yeah, I think he's going to be paid well this summer. Obviously, the the thumb surgery is not well-timed, just given that it knocks him out for the rest of the season. But um, he's played really well here, and again, he's a fan favorite already, which I know he was in Washington as well. But, um, yeah, he's made a very big, big impact on this team and will be uh, paid accordingly. (laughs)
0: He's uh He was playing the best basketball of his life mm-hmm. when he got hurt, too. Yeah. I mean, he was averaging, like, 20 a game after the All-Star break. Yes, yes. And he was playing really well. Uh, he still needs to learn how to pass.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: He just does not pass the ball. No. Um, there are a lot of teams who really like mm-hmm. Kelly Oubre. When that deal fell apart, mm-hmm. there were tons of teams who, like, a number of teams that tried to reach out to the Wizards and were like, okay, you're, you're going to trade Ubrey mm-hmm. Z- Okay, let's talk. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. The Wizards were very intent on just, nope, this fell apart. Let's make good and just do this for the Suns. Right. And that's why it's something I've talked about and written about 19 times, which, which to me, I'm like, I don't know, it's a little baffling to me that they originally did the deal where they were giving up Kelly Ubre and Austin Rivers. Mm-hmm. They were getting Trevor Ariza, and they were getting two second-round picks, mm-hmm. one unprotected, one basically a fake second-rounder that was top-55 protected. Yeah. They were getting an unprotected second-round pick from Memphis. And then they redid the deal. They gave up the same guys mm-hmm. the next day, and they got back Trevor Ariza without the second-rounder. Yeah, uh, And so you are consciously taking less than what you thought the market dictated for your guys less than 24 hours prior. Right. That I, I understand that you want to make good on a deal that totally got messed up, because of Brooke Brooks Smith, Brooks misnaming,s <laughs> yes. but but like you are consciously taking less than what those guys are worth. When I know people were hitting them up, being like, "Oh, let us get in on, let's get in on Kelly." Yeah. There are people who like Kelly. Now, I I don't know how many of those teams that the ones that I know in particular will be in on Kelly this summer. Let's say because they're in different kinds of positions, uh, but like those those teams exist. There are a lot of teams who are like. We like Kelly Ubra. They like his athleticism. Mm-hmm. They like his defensive potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, They think he's – and he's still super young. Yeah. He's still 23. Yeah. Like, they think he's going to blossom into something. So, I think he's going to get – he's going to get some money.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, it, again, you talk about that trade. That was the best thing that happened to the Suns all year, to be honest with you, just because that deal falls apart, and, uh, you know, on that night, they're – one of the laughing stocks of, of the NBA, as were the Wizards and the Grizzlies. The whole thing was was a laughing laughingstock, um, and just kind of a, a prime example of NBA hilarity. <laughs> but um, the Suns in particular, I feel like, caught flack because, again, their front office situation is not ideal. James Jones is, is the acting GM with, with Trevor Buckstein, who's kind of their cap guy, and again, it falls apart, and there's all this and all that. And Getting rid of Trevor Ariza, who was not a good fit here and not happy and just it didn't work, and randomly having Kelly Oubre drop into their lap, which um, someone tweeted at me today during the game that he might be the most unconditionally loved Suns player in a really long time. More more so than a Devin Booker or a DeAndre Ayton because they can be polarizing in in certain ways or there's high expectations on them. Kelly Oubre is just this guy that comes out and plays his ass off and you know pops his rolls his shoulders and pops his head and blows kisses to the crowd and all that and people just love it. And so, like I said, that was the best thing that happened to this team, which I I don't know if that's saying much given that this team is 17 and 59, but um, they still do believe that he's helped set like a very 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 low like baseline culture that they think they can build on. So it'll be very fascinating to see how much he's worth financially. Again, if, if there's just the one team that says, we're going to pay you a bunch of money, and I don't know what that number is per se, but the Suns obviously have the option to match as a restricted free agent, but how uh, how far are they willing to go based on what else they try to do this offseason because Booker's um, max extension will kick in next year. They do have a lot of guys on rookie contracts, but... Do they try to trade for a point guard, and if it's like more of a veteran guy, or try to sign a Kemba Walker? Uh, you know, what do they do in the draft? Like, there's a lot of moving pieces, and so if you, you know, if if you try to go get someone like a D'Angelo Russell, and you try and you try to offer too much more money than the Nets would match, or something like that, then do you, then how much do you have? How much room do you have for for Kelly, or how much money do you have left available for him? So now it's gonna be really really interesting to see if. The Suns really do go all in and keep them, but I know that that's what they want, ideally.
0: This whole summer's going to be interesting.
1: Oh, I know. I can't for wait. For everybody.
0: Uh, anything else you want to plug before we wrap up?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, I mean, I will be writing about Booker, so later on, probably tomorrow morning, um, just his crazy streak that he's been on right now. So if you're an NBA fan uh, in general and or just want to read about the circumstances of tonight, of that hilarity, but, yeah, the uh, the Uber piece is probably of most interest to to your readers, but I will be here covering the last, you know, six games of the Sun season, and then we'll see what happens from here on out, just with the lottery, and um, yeah, the only thing that maybe would have made tonight weirder is if, you know, Jim or Fredette had gotten in the game and somehow done something bonkers. That's the one thing that didn't happen tonight, other than the no revenge game, so yeah.
0: I know, we didn't even talk about Jeff Green's.
1: Oh, yeah, posterizing, Dunk, dragon bender. Sam
0: Decker told me, because Sam Decker went viral for doing the uh, CPR thing on the oh, bench, which okay, I yes. spoke to him about it after, yes. and he said he did that. because Rondo did that last night when ah, Lance Stevenson right. uh, you know, crossed over Jeff. He told me he went over to Jeff and put on his best Lloyd Christmas
1: <laughs> voice and
0: said, you totally redeemed yourself.
1: There you go. Uh,
0: yes. I will be back. The Wizards, by the way, have now avoided elimination for summer. one more night Orlando plays tomorrow night so the next time I podcast they might actually be out of the playoffs whether they win or lose they play in Salt Lake on what day is it it's Wednesday, it is Wednesday. We, we established that yes, it's it, Wednesday it is
1: Wednesday
0: So they play in Salt Lake on Friday. I'll be in Salt Lake. I'll be podcasting. I was supposed to podcast with Tony Jones when the Jazz came to Washington. Uh-huh. Tony's plane got, like, delayed, 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 canceled. Oh, that's okay, canceled. that's right. I remember yeah.
1: that. He was tweeting about
0: it. Uh-huh. And so Tony didn't come on, so I ended up having Andy Larson. But I'm supposed to go with Tony again this time. Got Hopefully it. my plane makes it into Salt Lake. I'm flying there tomorrow. I'll be podcasting from there. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Give us five stars. Leave a nice review. We've got six more of these, and then I'll let you guys know an off-season plan. I'll talk to you guys on Friday.